It's like a you know, it's like the Chicago skyline with Lake Michigan in front, and the lake is steaming because it's like minus thirty or whatever, which is like causing the water with any quantity of heat at all to just immediately evaporate. Yeah, I, I saw some viral videos of people throwing pots of boiling water out onto their lawns and it turning into snow instantly. Yeah, I've uh, I've kind of always wanted to do that, but I've kind of never really wanted to be in an environment where that would work. Welcome to Shroom for Two, the PVZ Heroes podcast, coming at you with three days late State of the Union counter-programming. I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. Uh, that's right. As a radical act of self-care, Mike and I are choosing to record a podcast rather than listen to the State of the Union. I think it's probably the best use of our time. Certainly with uh, State of the Union, that's probably going to be a bunch of stupid garbage that no one cares about for any reason. I would say that, yes. <laughs> you can sure as hell bet we're going to hear about this tomorrow morning. For sure. Speaking of things we won't hear about... Uh, how'd the Super Bowl go? Uh, it was real boring and terrible, which, you know, I guess now that Tom Brady has won a really uninteresting Super Bowl, you really can say he's done it all on the highest stage. Thumbs down all around, no Nick Foles, no no rioting in either one of our streets this time, just a big letdown. That's right. I did hear a lot of people talking about how much they hate Tom Brady, though. So, I mean, he did bring Philadelphia together in that way. Um, there just weren't, like, billboards about it this time. It's not even just them anymore, cities. Like, media outlets and organizations are mad because they have to keep creating all of this extra content about the Patriots and that well ran out like five years ago, but they've kept winning. Insert Maroon 5 joke here. They they were a joke enough on their own. But uh, speaking of things that I forget what the segue was, uh, we got a new season and we got a new meta. That's right. Did you get anything good in your season pack, Mike? I got a single Pogo Bouncer as my lone rare of any kind. Oh, wow. That's uh, pretty crappy. I got a wannabe hero and a uh, fourth doom shroom, which oh. was pretty cool. All right. Good good going. What did you uh, play with uh, after the changes went through? I was uh, all in on various versions of that Transfiguration Spadow rich guy random stuff deck. Uh, so there'll be some of that in the show notes. It's a Spadao Piconolith deck that plays lots of stuff with high health, you know, like Primal Walnut and Disco Nut and stuff. But then it also has Transfiguration and Fireweed uh, to be able to kind of ping the stuff that you're making that has high health uh, so that, you know, you get a bunch of Transfiguration triggers. It also has Molokale, a few copies of that, because it's pretty easy to have random three plus cost stuff sitting, sitting around with this deck. Uh, so, you know, a, a fun way to go through the game is like turn three, play a Velociradish Hunter, turn four, play a Molokale. You get the Molokale and then a pair of random four drops, uh, which is pretty cool. And, and uh, you know, that kind of offsets some of the randomness of Molokale. Generally, at least one of those is going to be good. Uh, they'll certainly hit for way more damage than the pair of uh, Velociradish dudes will do anyway. And then a fun interaction with Fireweed is that say you have a Transfiguration and a hot lava's on the ground and pings your thing, uh, the Transfiguration will transform it, um, but then it will no longer be damaged from the hot lava. So you're that much more likely to be able to, to transform again after getting some value. Are you running Galactic Cactus 2 for the thrill of transforming your entire field at once? Um, no, I'm not doing that because I'm trying to keep Transfiguration around as long as possible because, I mean, like, mm. Transfiguration itself having four power means that, like, while all of this random crap is going on, um, you're also, like, hitting pretty hard in that lane. Um, and... Pretty much no matter what your trans your stuff is transforming into, provided that you're continuing to do that, you're probably winning. 
Um, you know, like the, the fact that it's just kind of a value train that keeps going means that um, it doesn't really matter what you're getting so long as you're getting something. Transforming your entire board would be pretty sweet, but that is ultimately probably not even necessary because I'm not running like Pear Cub or any of the other things that are good with Galactic Cactus. Like I'm kind of concentrated on high health stuff. You got like garlic, you got photosynthesizer, you got some reincarnations in there for good measure, which is fun because not only are they random, they also give whatever they have polymorph plus one plus one. So whatever the thing is, like will get you extra value from its bonus stats and it will also probably transform with transfiguration. I guess one final thing that I learned is that if the reincarnation thing uh, gets polymorphed by transfiguration or evolved by molecule. If it then gets bounced somehow, it's still a reincarnation and it will continue to do the reincarnation thing in your hand, uh, which is pretty cool. Ah, I don't think I knew that, but neat. It's one of those few effects that like happens like over top of everything in the game, kind of like um, uh, intergalactic warlord, like nothing can ever lose the intergalactic warlord buff. Um, similarly, nothing can ever lose its reincarnation status. Oh, good to know. And I'm glad that a Transfiguration deck is actually viable on the ladder. Like, that makes me happy and makes me kind of uh, I mean, it's like... Go ahead, sorry. And makes me kind of want to craft some as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's viable-ish. Um, it's not going to set the world on fire by any means. Um, although I did beat um, what seemed like a... Um, trying to do the Valkyrie brainstorm thing. Random one drop into Zombie's best friend, into, like, more weenies. Um, and I just kind of, like, was able to, val like, block them effectively with my team and then um, get the engine going and then, like, just kind of grind them out by kill their thing, my thing doesn't die, etc. Yeah, I mean, that plus Pekinoleth means that you're you're able to pick up a lot of games from people playing non-great decks. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep jamming this uh, for at least the first part of this season to see how... Uh, well, I do. And uh, for anybody else that wants to play this, just today in the store, uh, the uh, Valen Brains bundle showed up, which is the same as it was last time. It's basically like Hot Date and a Briar Rose and some stuff. But Briar Rose disenchants for 4000 right now. Um, and so for every Valen Brains pack you get, that is, uh, that's a pair of Transfigurations right there. And so, you know, uh, I encourage you to give it a shot because it's actually really fun. Yeah, or if you just want to throw down five bucks to get whatever legendary you desire, that's not that bad of a deal. I'm not that big on Hot Date anymore now that Primal Potato Mine has mostly eaten its lunch, but uh, there are worse ways to spend cash on this game. Hot Date definitely does have a niche. Like I think in most cases, Sweet Potato and or Primal Potato Mine will do most of what Hot Date's going to do, but um, the fact that Hot Date is able to kind of be like a self-contained thing um, you know, able to snipe stuff out of the water lane, different things like that. Um, I think that it's it's worth having if you if you don't have anything else like that. Yeah, um, I played a bunch of amphibious beta caratina decks for the first couple of days after the changes, and uh, that's the bog of enlightenment thing. Yep, bog of enlightenment, marine bean, uh, that whole shebang, and you can see a video of that up on the Shroom for Two YouTube page where I uh, <laughs> I don't do great. I uh, small sample size as far as the record goes, but it's still pretty competitive. And um seems like, according to the Discord channel, other people have been using versions of my Amphibious BC decks as like a what-the-hell-do-I-do-with-BC answer, and that's always real heartwarming. So shout-out to all the listeners who are running some version of that out there. Bog of Enlightenment definitely came out of this balance patch with a lot of extra power points in it, and so it wouldn't surprise me if there is some build of the Bog of Enlightenment BC deck that that actually does a pretty good job of, of trampling over people. Um, I think that the fact that your first stab at this didn't really go as great as you would like 
is uh, not to be seen as a sign of discouragement. Well, it wasn't exactly my first stab because I've been... I was on my third version of the deck by the time I went and made the video. Okay. And it got a little screwed up because I wanted to shoehorn in Forget-Me-Not because I've been seeing a lot of Trickster on ladder. Not surprising. Yeah. Especially with uh, with Valkyrie having been nerfed. Someone in, in the Discord channel said that uh, they're going through a string of putting a forget-me-nuts on a lily pad and, like, hiding it in the water lane so that it just never, ever dies. Was that an idea of yours that has spread around, or was that a new piece of technology? No, I mean, my the, the deck from the video has both of those cards, so it is a thing, but it was not a dream that I lived, but it, it can be pretty irritating in the right matchup. Like, if you're up against a, I don't know, something that doesn't have a bungee plumber or rolling stone, then that'll just wreck their day. But, um... For this season, after the reset, I think I'm going to stick to only playing zombie decks because while I've always been a more plant-heavy player, I think it has gotten a little bit too plant-heavy as far as like what the videos I've been making coming out are right, and sure. what the decks I'm bringing to the show are. So I'm going to try and hunker down and play with zombies to see where they are in, uh, in this level of balance. And uh, my 10x hero is Immortitia this week. So nice. I've been playing a, uh, at its heart, it is a trickster deck, and it's running a little bit of ramp in the form of some cryo brains, but it also has a bunch of mustache monument targets on it, like uh, Intergalactic Bounty Hunter and Kitchen Sink Zombie and Trickster. Oh man, uh, Kitchen Sink Zombie on a mustache monument is pretty gross. I've not actually seen that before. It's really fun, and it's also fun that you can get it out a turn earlier with the help of cryo brain. This deck is actually pretty old. I, I made it a while ago, and I was just trying to mess around with Trickster and Morticia, but when I went to go try it out, I lost my first three or four games in a row, so I ended up naming mm. it Why Isn't This Good, and uh, <laughs> I think it's finally good now. Cool. It's very similar to something that I've been kind of chewing on, um, kind of with the, the trick-or-treater getting gravestone, um, kind of like makes me want to kind of revisit some of that a little bit. But I've done so much trick-or-treater that I'm going to cede that ground to you for a second. But this is pretty different from the trick-or-treater decks that I've played in the past. And I'm uh, very interested to see where this goes. Yeah, it has enough control and removal to keep you going in the early game if you don't draw absolute crap in your opening hand. And then you just overwhelm them with late-game threats. And, like, I I'm going to bet you don't kill all of them. Like, this is the kind of thing you need multiple Doom Shrooms to take care of. And I like the, um, I'm running two and two of the Trick or Treater and Mad Chemist, which is, weirdly enough, the only Gravestone cards in this deck. Okay. So that's a little weird. But, um, one thing I like about that card, or I guess two things together I like about those cards is that one, you know, they come out a turn earlier with Cryo Brain, or you have an extra brain to spend on a Nibble or Teleport one turn earlier. And two, if your block meter is close to full and you play it in lane four, you can sometimes get one of your superpowers on the turn that is played. Oh, yeah. And play yeah, it for definitely. free and generate a card from it. That's fun to do. Rewinding a little bit, um, I'm definitely with you that the the content on this show and in my play pattern as well has been kind of plant-focused. Um, I think there's kind of an ambient feeling in the player community that plants have kind of been on top for a while. Uh, certainly a lot of these nerfs were directed in the plant direction. And so that is making me want to um, explore some zombie stuff as well. In our list of, uh, you know, stuff to watch in the post-patch world, Frankentar was towards the top of my list of things to want to try um, because I've always thought that I could do something with Zemek that's been better than, you know, generally what I've seen with it. 
um, kind of like wanting to mix in some Gargologist stuff with some of the um, kind of crazy and Hardy's ability to kind of like surgically control the board without needing to waste a bunch of mana doing that. And so I'm interested to see kind of what uh, kind of go wide haymakers um, I can throw with Frank and Tar. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to mess around with next. I probably should do that Sports Smash deck running Mono Bronto that I've teased a little bit in the chat. Mm, with Terrify and stuff? Yeah, yeah. It's a, a sports deck where instead of running Sumo Zombie, I'm running Terrify and Mondo Bronto at the high end. That that definitely changes the texture of how you move stuff. You know, like you're moving stuff late instead of early. I kind of like the idea of playing a zombie deck that just doesn't have any gravestones right now because, okay. like, with Pirate Infinity and Pirate HG and Super Brains everywhere... Some people on the show might be trying to load up on anti-gravestone technology. So right. that's a way to trick those people, maybe running no gravestones to outsmart myself. Uh, that's a good segue into we got some uh, some listener submitted decks here that uh, showed up in the last few weeks in our Discord channel that it's uh, probably a good time to talk about. Two of these decks are making fairly substantial use of gravestones as a primary game plan. So do you want to talk about uh, the Tempo Pirates first or the uh, the Infinity deck first, Mike? Uh, let's find the Pirate one. Uh, is that the Brain Freeze one? That is the Brain Freeze one. I believe that one was uh, submitted by Sushi. Pirates, like, its most common tribe is Pirates, but that's just kind of an accident. The This is definitely a, um, a Tempo deck. There's quite a lot of cards with Gravestone in here and uh, Headstone Carver to make use of that. Uh, no Graveyard, though. The Gravestones are all natural. The most shocking thing about the deck at first glance, I think, is the 3x uh, Cryo Yeti, which newly got Gravestone as part of this balance patch and is um, held up in the deck write-up, which we'll include in the show notes, as one of the one of the kind of stronger haymakers to throw nowadays. I think the weirdest thing in this is that there are zero tricks in this deck. But yeah, Cryo Yeti, uh, good to see more of that coming out. I've been seeing that some on ladder, and it definitely a really strong choice. For sure, and you're kind of taking advantage of the fact that your Captain Flameface is a lot more likely to live for two turns in a row to be able to get the damage in while kind of hobbling them with early game tempo plays. Kind of one of the grosser things that the deck can do is you have Area 22, the uh, plus two, plus two in Frenzy environment, and then the two cost three one with gravestone that says when revealed in an environment freeze a plant. Uh, so if you've got that zombie in an area twenty two and you reveal it and you freeze the thing that it's in front of, you get to attack for five with frenzy uh, into a plant that is not going to attack. That is almost assuredly going to kill the plant and allow you to trample over deal damage to their face. We've talked about this on the show before, but if you're able to combine frenzy and strike through on one creature, you can do a bunch of damage really quickly and this has a, an abundance of ways to do that between flame face and area 22 and bounty hunter the fact that bounty hunter is a pirate so it is able to get a strike through from flame face and attack for four possibly multiple times as big another thing i really like about this deck is that it runs both flame face and line dancing zombie as yeah. three cost gravestones because they come into the field very similarly like i have Early on, after the change, I would see, you know, turn three, just a random gravestone go up in lane four where there's nothing there. It's like, huh, that's weird. And 
you know, back in the day, that used to pretty much always mean it was a line dancing zombie because it would just move to wherever the advantageous lane was. But now that's Flameface that's trying to uh, help the rest of its team. And then also throwing line dancing zombie in there, I think, is a great mind game trick. You've got two creatures where the best course of action that the plant player can take is exactly opposite. So if you want to kill the flame face, you're supposed to put a creature in that lane. If you want to kill the line dancing zombie, you need to have a creature out of that lane. The play looks identical. The gravestone comes down on turn three, but the the right choice is completely different in both cases. That's kind of the way that a tempo deck wants to win is by either faking out their opponent, making them make a bad choice that they pay for later, and uh, just kind of generally putting pressure on them uh, when they're spending time making up their past mistakes. Um, and so uh, this looks pretty dope. It's yeah. the first time in the entire game that I've ever kind of bemoaned the fact that I didn't own any cryo yetis, or rather <laughs> that I had disenchanted them all. So so nice go and sushi. Yeah, and uh, bonus points for running the uh, angry cyborg just to give this a little more early game presence and late game value. Yeah, definitely. I um I'm a big fan of that card. The the two cost three two with hunt that dies into a five five with hunt. That thing is a very solid two for one, and it's uh, it's good at um kind of pulling focus away from your uh, your other good creatures. Next up from the decks we've gotten in the Discord chat comes a plant deck from Wantech, who gives us a Chompzilla deck running the uh, somewhat infamous uh, Jack-O-Lantern, the 2-3 with Strike Through that will get more attack when it does damage. And it runs things to make that better, you know, stuff like Coffee Grounds and Banana Peel to move things out of the way, and there's a little bit of Sunflower Ramp to help you get it out a turn early or protect it. Cross that with some strong dinosaurs. You're running Bananasaurus and Allosaurus in here, and those can be uh, big enough to win you the game on their own. It's an interesting mixture of, like, Ramp and Aggro. Like, it's a Ramp deck, but it stops at 5, which is uh, interesting to me. Like, usually a Ramp deck will try to get big expensive things out but this uh goes for like the big moderately expensive things um i i would disagree in characterizing this as a ramp deck specifically it's got some ramp cards in it it's got the primals 4x primal sunflower and uh 2x regular sunflower but the the deck isn't really trying to like rush to a big thing this is like the kind of deck that wants to play two strong threats at the same time so it's kind of a mid-rangey Strikezilla deck. Like, Strikezilla decks in many ways are kind of glass cannons that, like, you kind of rely on getting the damage in early or um, having, a, you know, a, a last hurrah with a Sunstrike or something that, like, if they survive that, then, you know, your cards are probably going to be outclassed in terms of ability to close the game out. Um, whereas this is definitely a deck that puts on pressure. You got 4x haunted pumpkin and the four primal sunflower i think counts as a, as a deck that wants to put damage in early but then you've also got like coffee grounds and stuff that goes well with coffee grounds so you mentioned jack-o-lantern which uh we've previously said i think is a or at least i previously said is a card that probably doesn't get as much um respect as it deserves yes and i am the one who is not respecting it <laughs> right sure uh so you got coffee grounds but then you also got captain cuke as like you know Triggering Captain Cuke twice off of Coffee Grounds is pretty good. And then you've got Allosaurus and Applesaucer. Like, Applesaucer is less likely to survive to attack twice off of Coffee Grounds. Um, but if it does, that's six damage to the face because uh, it's probably going to have strike through. Um, and then Allosaurus is just so big that it's going to survive um, to do its second attack on Coffee Grounds just because it's unlikely to die in combat. You can also get it off of, um, or get Pumpkin on Coffee Grounds and use stuff like the regular Sunflower 
or the uh, banana peel to keep it alive. Yeah, that's definitely a very fun dream to live. Um, and then you've got um, four kernel pulse for good measure. No cob cannons at the top, which I think would be a reasonable thing to include here. But they don't seem to be necessary in order for the deck to work. This deck is like kind of aggro at the start and then haymakers in the middle, um, rather than like aggro at the start and strike through in the middle, uh, which I think is a pretty cool way to take advantage of a zombie meta that is going to be less focused on weenies given that valkyrie is taking a hit uh, so i think this is pretty sweet yeah and uh, good on you for being brave enough to run jack-o'-lantern yeah for sure uh, let us know how the jack-o'-lantern has performed because i think that it's a uh, it's definitely a very reasonable like kind of b range like b plus maybe not b plus probably b include in like kind of a mid-rangey deck that wants to strike through a little bit yeah and i'm over here like dude just run elderberry yeah, but, you know, you don't have as much, like, like you want your weenies to stick around in this deck. Like, you've got your Colonel Pults, but, like, otherwise, you're not, like, Solar Winsing. The weenies in this deck are good enough that losing them to, to trigger an Elderberry is, like, a legitimate cost. I mean, Elderberry would still be good, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've, um, talked, I've talked enough about Elderberry on the show. <laughs> sure. But thank you, Wantech, for, for the deck. All right, and following that up, we have another deck from Wantech. Uh, this is a um, mono sneaky. This, in fact, is, I believe, 100% sneaky. Is that true? Uh, let's get our stats department on that. Hold on. Yeah. It was pretty gravestone focused as you'd expect. Uh, so you haven't got flame face this time, but you've got much more of a generic uh, headstone carver package. So you got headstone carver, monkey smuggler, lion dancing zombie, that sort of thing. And you've got uh, graveyard as a way to give gravestone to the rest of your team, uh, which includes space cowboy. Everybody loves that combo. And then you got buried treasure with a Dr. Spacetime to kind of round all this out. And then in support of the Dr. Spacetime, you've also got Laserbase Alpha uh, as a way to make Dr. Spacetime connect to the face so you get the trigger. Uh, it also means that they have to like three for one themselves in order to kill the Dr. Spacetime because suddenly he's got Death Touch. And then uh, you've got the Frozen Mustache, which is like a good uh, tempo play, a good way to keep your team alive yep. uh, that also happens to conjure. Yep, and good for trading if you have like a strike through creature that would have died otherwise. Definitely. And then um, some smoke bombs and some mini ninjas as well. That's a good way for sneaky decks to kind of cheese out games. But then you've also got a few things that are reasonable smoke bomb targets as well. So you've got ducky tube zombie you can use to keep getting in. Uh, you can reset your line dancing zombie if your line dancing zombie survives its initial volley. And then you can... Um, you can move your space cowboy to lane one. You can move your space cowboy back to lane one if you just want to win a bunch more. Uh, and you can snipe something with toxic waste imp. In case you need to move that out of the water lane, because there's not there's not a ton of imp stuff going on otherwise. Yeah, it's just so the, it's just, just the mini ninjas and touch. toxic waste imp. That's a, an interesting choice, I guess, since it's not the only source of deadly in the deck because you got the laser base and then your uh, superpower as well. But uh, usually people run imposter for that kind of thing. But this is a uh, like if you're running smoke bomb and you want to go in all in on damage, then mini ninja is what helps for that. But a uh, public service announcement. If you put Mini Ninja or anything with Antihero on Laser Base Alpha with something in front of it, you will not get the uh, Antihero bonus. Yeah, that's right. It has to be unblocked in order to get that bonus. Yep. Regarding um, having pretty much just Toxic Waste Imp, I think that just a 2-2 a with Amphibious and Deadly is just fine. That's an annoying enough thing to have sitting there. Like, 2 damage is kind of more damage than you want to take for a single block meter increment. So, like, you are kind of coming out on the top in that exchange and then um it's always going to cost them at least one card in order to kill it so that is a probably exactly one card in order to kill it yeah. and i suppose it also will work to 
as like a lightning rod for removal because if you see a toxic waste imp go up then you're going to want to kill that quickly because you're afraid of all of the good trades in their future that's right you know like but you could imagine the best case scenario being toxic waste imp on two turn three they spend a they spend a mallet on it um which is then one more mallet that they can't use on your uh space time or space cowboy to follow it up with yep or a berry blast that would have gone to your headstone carver or your ducky tube and to round out the decks that people posted in the discord chat we have one from uh, the reddit user g to 139 who post a ZMAC uh, professional zoo deck, which is something we talked a little bit about on the show for the uh, Colossal Fossils episode about the uh, number of cheap professional creatures that came into the game, like Middle Manager and Fossil Head, but also running like Flag Zombie and Primeval Yeti, which we touched on briefly as a smash thing. But here it is mixed up with ZMAC, which is uh, good for running this kind of thing because you get cheap creatures with good damage returns like disco nod and dance floor and quick draw con man of course like so this this is a going viral go wide deck in many ways which is a very good tried and true archetype but something that you you don't often see outside of kind of dedicated dancing decks i think is the disco nod dance floor combo because the dance floor is the thing that does the damage if you haven't fused onto it and uh it's got zero power and it deals its damage through overshoot which means that even though they just nerfed disco knot you're still dealing three bullseye damage to the face at the start of combat with that creature which is just nuts three bullseye damage to the face is like an absolutely fantastic deal quite substantially better than three regular damage to the face and so, you know, you really only need to get one of those in order for that to put your opponent at a pretty substantial uh, block meter disadvantage in terms of, you know, being able to use their superpowers to come back from clearing your go-wide stuff. Yeah, I've come around on Disco Dance Floor. I think it's really good for this kind of fast-paced deck where you want to really crank out that 20 damage quickly. And it reminds me of Quick Draw Con Man in that way of, like, okay, playing this card, unless it dies immediately, it is going to get some damage in on you. And, you know, granted, it's not always going to be bullseye like Con Man, but being able to do three for one block meter hit is still really, really great, even without bullseye. Totally. And, I mean, honestly, I think that um, it's, like, the one fusion card that is better if you don't fuse it. Yeah. You know? Like, the... Unless it's a headhunter, then yeah. Well, yeah, but like, so the zero three stats on the dance floor itself are pretty good stats for surviving more than one combat. Um, and if you look at the cards in this deck, most of the cards that you would be fusing onto it have less than three health. So you've got Con Man, which is a lightning rod on its own. So you don't want to put your two lightning rods together because then they get to kill two of them for the price of one. You got Flag Zombie, sure. But again, they're, they want to kill that and you want them to have to dedicate real resources to that and let your your dance floor alone um so like you want your dance floor to just kind of sit there without being fused on which is maybe like a flavor fail like the dance floor is better when there's no one dancing on it <laughs> so like oops i guess but uh yeah it's um it's a very very powerful card when the plan is to like get as much damage in on the first one to three turns of the game or try to fill your board up and surprise them with yeti <laughs> Yeah, that too, or going viral, or, you know, like, there's a there's a lot of payoffs in the deck, too. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got 21 drops in this deck and Flag Zombie, and that's just a bunch of stuff you can throw out there for free. Yeah, so, like, turn two, Flag Zombie, turn three, fill your board up, going viral, that seems pretty good. Or, like, turn three, Flag Zombie and Rock Wall, turn four, 
a bunch of free one drops, and then Yeti. That seems pretty good, too. Yeah. Rockwell's a plus O plus 5 superpower, right? Yeah, that's one of the ones Zemac gets. Right, sure. Yeah, no removal in this, so you're really like you're, you're relying on those. Yeah, you're uh, all you're all in. I'm guessing that you want to get one of the uh, damage superpowers in your opening hand. Although, like, there's plenty of stuff on here that would love to wear the plus three attack buff. You probably want a way to kill something in front of one of your cheap dudes for an early turn. Definitely, I would say that the the lack of removal is going to put a lot of pressure on you to have the right superpower in your opening hand. Um, but the good thing about that is that. Zmax ultimate superpower is like absolutely absurd. It is not at all implausible that you would get multiple cards worth of value off of three damage to one thing, one to everything else. Or you just um, get your opponent to quit after you play it. Uh, I would imagine that the rage quit factor is pretty high with a deck like this. We call this critical hits. Yeah. The way that you're going to take care of an opponent who's like trying to flood the board with X1s is to flood the board with X1s yourself. And Zmax gets the superpower that kills all the X1s on your opponent's side. Um, and so like, oh great, my ultimate is a one mana, one-sided board wipe. That's a good way to close out a game. So next we got some card crafting ideas from, I believe, listener Austin. And so what we got here is a collection of top-down designs for creatures from PVZ2. So top-down, uh, if you remember my, uh, waxing poetic about game design nerd stuff is where you take the flavor of the, of the creature first, and then you design mechanics to match it. And so, uh, and this is the flavor is exactly what you remember from pvz2 uh so there's a whole bunch of them here and uh like many uh user submitted card ideas uh they're pushed pretty hard but there are a few here that i think are very interesting uh so the one that i wanted to call out was the pianist zombie uh which everybody remembers from the wild west world we got a three cost three five sneaky as written here dancing history zombie with deadly and at the start of tricks all other zombies switch places in pvz2 in the wild west world one of the dudes that could come on the screen was a dude playing like a player piano sitting at a player piano and uh it would change the music to like some ragtime piano, which was fun and then all the dudes would start like doing a little jig um and then every few seconds they would randomly move up or down one lane um and kind of like screwing up all your defensive arrangements because suddenly the thing that was coming at you in lane two is coming at you at lane one or three chosen at random and then it would also trample over uh, like instantly kill any plant that it touched so it's got deadly here and i think this card would actually be really cool if it got made uh you'd have to tamp down the stats a little bit i would probably put it as a three cost two three or two four like two four would be really really good it would be kind of like the death the uh the deadly equivalent of uh captain Flameface. It would be like, deal with this or you die. I remember it being pretty tough in PvZ2, so like making it a 2-3, like make, make it a little squishier than um, we remember it from the tower defense game. But realistically, it's probably only going to survive one combat anyway, um, because the plant player is going to spend some extra resources to kill it. And so I think that this would be like kind of a fun way to introduce some randomness to the zombie side. Uh, Sneaky doesn't tend to get a lot of randomness in its color pie, and so I think this would be a cool way to introduce it. And, uh, yeah, good going on the flavor, nailing the flavor. Speaking of uh, things that are not normally in the color pie, let's talk about the most ridiculous control crazy card I've I've ever seen, and that would be the Boombox Zombie, which is uh, listed as a 5-brain 4-3 dancing mustache zombie in a gravestone, and when revealed, it gives all plants zero attack this turn. And let me tell you, this is not so bad until you remember how many ways there are to buy back a gravestone effect. Even just being infinity, you get a superpower that'll pop it right back in. 
and then you know you throw in things like mixed up gravedigger or even that uh that rescue guy you could just keep playing this forever and give your opponent zero attack ever and um in pbz2 the way this worked was it was like a like you know a dude who would shuffle along holding a boombox and the boombox would freeze all of the plants you had so this mimics that kind of well you know preventing all of the things from attacking for here but the fact that you can just kind of loop it a bunch of times would make uh this incarnate it just way too fun to ever publish but i could see a like a I don't even know how to scale this down. Maybe just um, like so, I I could see this a not having gravestone, um, so that plants that get played after it aren't affected by it, mm. um, and then b probably only affecting one lane, um, either yeah. its lane or one other lane, um, you know, like kind of thing here or here and next door. Here and next door even would probably be pretty nasty. Yeah, um, probably too too cheap for that. Yeah, I mean, you could do the like next door only, like Strawberryian does now, and like uh, Jolly Holly does. Um, cause then that would mean that it would be, uh, that much more likely to die so that it wouldn't get, uh, mixed up grave dug. <laughs> yeah. That is the past tense of that. I could see instead of having it be zero attack this turn, like a minus one thing, cause then you would get like that cool weed spray synergy, but I guess right, that sure. would go against the design a little bit since the boombox guy just froze everything in place instead of making it one attack weaker. Yeah, if you were going to do that, it would probably be minus two to give yourself some uh, symmetry with Shrinking Violet. And Landscaper. And, uh, the fa- and Landscaper, yeah. And the fact that this is a uh, five-cost thing, minus two power is probably warranted in that case. But there's a bunch of other interesting ones here. One one that I wanted to uh, mention also was the Poncho Zombie, which uh, is, again, from the Wild West world. It's like a dude who walks on screen wearing a poncho, and then after he takes a few hits, the poncho falls off revealing either just him to be a regular zombie or for him to be wearing, like, a safe door, uh, like, wrapped around his neck. And so if he's got this safe on, if he's got body armor, he's a bucket head. And if he doesn't, he's a regular zombie. But you don't know until it's taken a couple hits. And so it's, um, it's like, one of the, oh, shit, this is a disaster, um, or, like, this is an emergency suddenly, ways that, uh, you know, you can kind of get your plan screwed up, uh, which is fun. And uh, the way that this... Is implemented was a four cost four five, which is just nuts stats. History zombie, when hurt, this gains armor one. And as written, that would mean that the armor would stack. I mean, unless having armor multiple instances of armor one does not equal armor two, then it wouldn't stack. But I think that uh, if you were going to really try to implement the the poncho zombie, it would be like if this has no armor, it has a fifty percent chance of gaining armor one or whatever every time it got hit. Um, that would be kind of like the randomness of whether it gets the armor or not would be part of it. Or it'd be like, um, a, when destroyed, make either a one-cost zombie or a three-cost zombie here. That would be cool, but it would be, it would be pretty different to what the, what the Poncho guy did. It would be random in that way, but, you know, less like the dude having armor. And I would, I would also tweak the stats down a little bit so like to make it like a, probably a three-cost... Th- like, if it was a three-cost three-four, it would be... Um, Potentially the same stats as a bucket head at one fewer cost, but you don't always get the armor. Um, and I think that would make it like a kind of a like reasonable pseudo upgrade. I don't know. I mean, there is definitely room in the game for a way to give stuff armor. We just haven't seen it yet. Like, I, you figure if they keep making sets, then that's one of the ways that we're going to have to buff things in the future. Because, like, I am curious about the idea of armor stacking or anything like that, or just being able to give creatures who wouldn't otherwise have it uh plus one armor to make them live longer in like an environment or something 
I mean, I agree that there's design space there. Um, it's not the most fun mechanic. It's um, really and, unfun. Um, and the the other thing is, um, so uh, Mark Rosewater mentioned this once. Uh, so there was an identical mechanic to armor in Magic in one set called Absorb, where a creature would have Absorb 1, meaning that every time it took damage, it would take one less damage. And what they found was, if a thing has Absorb anything it is all of a sudden extremely hard to kill with multiple sources of damage because the absorb absorbs from every source so if you have a five five creature with absorb one you need to deal three damage to it three times in order to kill it you need to deal two damage to it five times in order to kill it which is just absurd um and so like the fact that the plant player can be attacking in the same lane with multiple sources of damage means that armor, just by its very nature, gives you more for the value that it has. Um, like, you know, so armor one is going to be presenting multiple damage. I don't know, man. I think giving giving one armor to, you know, an arbitrary creature is is pretty much saying, like, give plus four or five health to that creature, which would have to cost so much that you just never play it, you know? Yeah, and like you know, we've already seen from a escape through time the lessons of messing with damage even for one combat and what kind of havoc that wrought on the meta. Yeah, you know, there there's a little bit of it around, you know, like so the they did from PvZ two do the zombie king, which like in PvZ two would like throw knight helmets onto zombies as they passed, which would like turn them into like the super bucket heads. And in this case it just polymorphs them into the Knight of the Living Dead, which is just like a big beefy thing with armor two. And so, you know, that's cool. And, like, Zombie King is pretty good. You can play it and, and, and win with it sometimes. But, you know, that's probably about as much of a niche as going deep on armor should have because of its kind of negative play experience. But, yeah, thank you for the uh, custom card list, and thank you to everyone in the, in the Discord for uh, unknowingly giving us content for the show. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's great to hear what you guys are doing. Um, and, you know, the Discord is is a pretty good place to talk to us. You know, we're both in there every day. And so, you know, you get to show us whatever your cool project is. Yes, and um, for the last part of the show, we have an email that we got a couple months ago, but I've, I've been meaning to read on the show the next time we did a mailbag episode, and I guess that's right now. But uh, this is from Jesse, who writes in to say, Dear Mike and Taylor, you probably don't know me, but I've been a huge PvZ fan since 2011, when I first started playing the original, and I've played Heroes since launch day, and I even visit the subreddit every day, but I hadn't listened to your podcast yet. And then one day in April of, uh, I guess last year now, uh, he was out on a walk and decided to listen finally, and uh, was instantly hooked. It was so cool to hear people talk in depth about a game I love a ton. I listened to about five episodes a week until disaster struck. You talked about Hearthstone, a game I had heard of but hadn't tried, and I started playing it and was instantly hooked and didn't touch PvP's Heroes for a couple of months. Which, uh, you know, sorry, we've all been there. <laughs> It's interesting that it was backwards, though. We both played Hearthstone, and then when PvZ Heroes came out, kind of ditched Hearthstone for a while to jump onto this game. Yeah, the reverse Mike and Taylor. Um, anyways, uh, he continues. Recently, I decided to play again with the uh, balance update announced. And here he is, 60 episodes later, after hearing all of the pleas for more listener mail, all of the Red Sox cheering, and uh, RIP to Taylor's internet, even two PvZ sets later. I just wanted to say thank you for making the show. It made me so happy. You guys are amazing. Thank you. P.S. Odd Mage is really fun. Yeah, well, that's awesome. We love to get emails like this. Even though we've been doing this for more than a year and we've racked up 60-some episodes worth of podcasts about this game, we are just kind of two people who like this game kind of screwing around and making a podcast happen, um, you know. And so it's fun to see that we actually are making an impact on people and that... Uh, there are people out there who are legitimately fans of the 
stuff that we're doing here, just kind of sitting here and talking about this game we like. Yeah, when I uh, when I lived in Boston, I used to volunteer at the local access TV station, and I would produce a lot of television shows for an audience of uh, fewer than 10 people, I'm sure. But um, the fact that we can do a passion project like this and get heartfelt emails like that from our listeners or just anything going on in the chat, like knowing that we created this little thing and uh, set up a, a kind of content that is in demand but not anywhere else on the internet, which is really hard to do in this day and age. I know, right? And yeah, for all of us here in Shroom for Two, which is me, Mike. And me, Taylor. We will give you more of this next time on... Oh, I guess I already said Shroom for Two, but uh, have a great weekend, everybody. You said the thing that I always say, so I will say nothing. Is one of their other names. Oh, um, that, and so, yeah. Is that a thing you can look up? Uh, yeah, so if you if you long press on their ID, oh. or on their ID, you can say user settings and you say profile, and then it'll show you all their names on the other servers they're on. Oh, Christ, I didn't know that was public. <laughs> oh, yeah, should I not look at yours? Fuck. <laughs> um, no, it's, I mean, you, you, you can look at it, but I'm worried about anyone else looking at it. Uh... Um, so <laughs> I'm not seeing, I'm looking at you and all I'm seeing is up all night to get good. Oh, that, that's Steam integration. Okay. Okay, so it, it must be just be accounts that it's connected to. Yeah, okay. And not... <laughs> okay, man. Uh, uh, don't do that to me. <laughs> okay, my bad. <laughs>